This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. You guys want to start a podcast that includes music, or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much, and let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. In today's episode, I am interviewing the founders of Bala Bangles. This was such an exciting episode for me to do because I have been seeing them kind of all over social media. I actually have wanted a pair myself, so the second we got off this interview, I bought some, and now I've been using them nonstop. And also, my favorite fitness person that I like to follow, uh, Melissa Wood Health, she uses them all the time. So when I heard that I could interview them, I was so excited. So basically, if if you don't know, Natalie and Maximilian created Bala, which is an LA-based movement company. We talk about how they made their prototype, how they started a campaign on Kickstarter, how it came to life, and they were also on Shark Tank. So we talked about being on Shark Tank and how that kind of was a game changer and a very pivotal moment in their company. And they only recently quit their jobs to do this full-time. Like, in the past few months and they are so incredibly successful so I was really really excited to interview them and just hear their story and hear the inside scoop from them as founders of this really successful company that's kind of having a moment on social media and off of social media if you're into fitness you're definitely going to be into bala bangles it's basically just one pound three pound weights that are kind of like ankle weights or you can put them on your wrist and whenever you think of ankle weights you think of like oh the 80s or you know like leg warmer days and like chunky ankle weights that are not cute that you don't really use today and they haven't had a makeover since like 1985 and now Bala Bangles is kind of here and revamping it and it's really cute I've actually worn them on walks before like when I was living in the city I would just strap them to my ankles and walk with them and they were really cute or they look like bracelets so you can like put them on your wrist and get a little extra workout in even though you're not actually working out. So they just make it really cute. I was excited to interview them and I their story is just really, really cool. They were awesome people to interview and I'm really excited for you guys to hear today's episode. So again, if you guys do enjoy this podcast and if it brings you any source of either education in a way or inspiration or just pure entertainment if you guys can please give me five stars on itunes that really helps out my podcast especially because the podcast algorithm is unlike any other algorithm it's really hard to kind of get discovered on podcasts so if you guys could please give me five stars that would help me out a lot but anyways i really do hope that you guys enjoy today's episode and yeah let's just get into it 
Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Ares tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream, it is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. So hi, Natalie and Max. Thanks so much for joining me. Of course. Thanks for having us. Yeah, excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you guys on, and I want to jump in with setting the record straight. So this is just some stereotypes and assumptions, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false. Awesome. Cool. So the first one is you should start a business you're passionate about. True. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
I feel like you guys are such a good example of that with starting Bala and how you used your passion to actually start this business and it's super successful. So I feel like you're like the prime example of why you should follow your passion when you start a business. There's just so much work involved that if you're not passionate about it, it's just, it, I don't think it could work. Totally. And I think if you, right. if you have history with like an idea, you'll have like a, a deeper level of sort of insight and nuance for that idea to, to be able to kind of make the company something unique in the market as, as, as right. opposed to just kind of yet another version of something else. Right, right. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people want to start a business or they're constantly thinking of business ideas. But I think when you have that thing that you actually love, and you're actually enjoying, it's going to make it better. Because like you said, it's not easy to start a business and it's you're in it for the long haul. So you kind of want to be passionate about what you're doing. Yeah. And then the next one is you need connections to start a business. I would say false on that one, oddly enough. You know, I, I've sort of likened uh, some of the early growth of Bala to the first job I ever tried to get when I didn't have any experience to back that up. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you sort of quickly found your direct connections uh, weren't going to be as fruitful as you maybe thought, but it was creating connections through those connections and sort of like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon approach to finding a job that really yielded that success. So I wouldn't say that we were able at any point with Bala to pick up the phone and get into an incredible retailer or publication or anything that was like really turnkey, but after maybe 15 or 20 calls where you're just kind of doing sort of investigative research, you'll create those connections over time. So I, I would say false. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would say that it helps have connections, but you definitely don't need them. And also, like you're saying, how you think that they're going to help a lot in the beginning, and then you realize like you actually have to do a lot more work to reach out to way more people. And I've noticed that even with myself. Like I'm like, oh yeah, I know a lot of people, so it'll help, which it doesn't hurt, but like you always need to go way a step further than that. Totally. Nobody, nobody's going to sort of build the business for you or right. even on your behalf. So it helps to be able to have those conversations. Like mm-hmm. undeniably there are people way smarter than we are that have answered questions that have given us sort of a shortcut to the answer that we'd otherwise spend you know, months or years figuring out ourselves. But um, as far as being able to kind of like make a, make a connector call. Yeah, yeah. no, it just, it, ha- it hasn't happened that way for us at least. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And then the last one is the fitness industry has evolved over time. I say true because I mean, we're like, we are living in, in the fitness world and that we're always wearing fitness cl- comfy clothes right now and things like that. And, you know, obviously there's brands that have been innovative from like a tech side, like Peloton and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's totally um, evolved since like our parents were growing up for sure. It was a lot more simple then. And now it's like, fitness is everything. So, you know, there's gyms like Equinox and then there's brands like, you know, Peloton that make it totally evolved. Yeah. Right. I, I would agree. I think that there undeniably are major changes in the fitness industry, like with the rise of class-based fitness and athleisure in terms of the aesthetics of fitness mm-hmm. and even just kind of the, the specialty of those class-based workouts, you know, mm-hmm. from like hit to like Pilates to you know, I mean, like, it's, it's incredibly sort of like diversified, but 
I think what we found as it relates to fitness accessories is that there's not actually been a ton of innovation in the products people are actually using. Mm -hmm. So the like the broader workouts have changed. You're still using sort of like your mom's hot pink dumbbells from yeah. the 80s. You know? and, mm -hmm. and so that's where we feel like there's just this sort of disconnect, um, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, I think it's it's changed dramatically, but also weirdly stayed the same. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think from being from like on VHS and then DVDs and now it's on Instagram and social media, you can stream your workouts now. I think it's just made it more accessible. And I just feel like fitness is now more trendy, if that makes sense. Like, like you were saying with Equinox and like Lululemon and all of these like companies that are making cute workout clothes. I feel like now it's appealing more to like a aesthetic fitness world. Um, but I'm curious to hear like what your background is before Bala. Like what were you guys doing? Were you guys always in the fitness space or? So we actually spent um, our, in both of our entire careers from like first job after college um, in the advertising industry. So working at large agencies, um, kind of working on like big branded commercials and just ad campaigns and stuff like that, which, you know, has nothing to do with business in a sense, but in a way it does because we kind of learned how to like market something, which I think mm -hmm. has really helped us in Bala. But we, I mean, we were nowhere close to being like inventors or founders or anything like that whenever, um, you know, we were growing up in the ad agency. Right. Or yeah. And what did you guys want when you were younger, let's say, what was like your dream job? <laughs> I wanted to be a marine biologist. <laughs> I wanted to play for the Knicks. <laughs> it's so funny. I like asking that question to see like who's changed their dream job compared to what it is now. Or like some people are always like, oh yeah, I always wanted to do whatever they're doing now. So I think it's interesting always to hear like what your passion was when you were younger. I, sure. I will say that I, I, I have this, I have this conversation weirdly often, but it's like when you were growing up, you only knew of eight jobs. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> like a doctor Very true. Writer, etc. And so it's been interesting even having spent like more than a decade in advertising to find this whole entirely new space in sort of the small business entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial approach, um, which, you know, obviously like the shark tanks and how I built this of the world exists, but these are, you know, it's been kind of a revelation to create a job that we didn't otherwise know existed when we were growing up. Yeah. And when were you guys into fitness, like, and when you were working at your ad agency or how did Bala come to life? Like what sparked the idea? I mean, I've always been really into yoga. And um, at one point I took, um, I became a certified yoga instructor at Core Power Yoga and um, just went through like the courses. And then when Bala launched, it was actually originally a yoga weight. So I think that really ties it in. Um, yeah. It's funny because Bala actually started as like a yoga, a, yo product. a yoga product, but you know, now we just talk about movement in general. Mm -hmm. And I actually grew up rock climbing and snowboarding and skateboarding and I was on the swim team, you know, so like just a really mm -hmm. broad range. Like I was probably pretty mediocre at all of them, um, but like really enjoyed it. And so Bala has sort of become a movement brand that, you know, Bengals and some of the other products we have in the works are really meant to just like amplify the intensity of any workout you might do. So I think it's because of like Natalie's history with yoga and my history with like everything else that we've created this sort of uh, 
like sports agnostic or like specific workout agnostic brand. Um, yeah. Space. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's really cool. And I feel like whenever you had this idea, what like was the, do you remember the moment that you thought of the idea of Bala or you just, was it like a spark, like a light bulb in your head or was it something that over time you realized, Hey, there's something missing in this fitness industry. It's funny because like, I, like you said, you know, we're all always talking about business ideas, but the distance between talking about an idea and actually creating some sort of physical representation of that idea, it could even be, you know, a presentation, like it doesn't actually have to be the product itself, assuming it is a product is actually like a huge, (laughs) it's the longest mile, right? You know, from the idea to the reality. Um, We had the idea after um, taking a yoga class that ended up being sort of more meditative than we'd hoped. So like we wanted to get a workout in and it ended up that it was more kind of a introspective class of, you know, breath exercises and uh, like concentrating on particular thoughts than it was like a true sweaty workout. And it was after that, that we kind of started talking and said, you know, we literally said at the time, class-based fitness is on the rise, but what happens if you can only attend sort of a beginner class, if you're more advanced, like how do you make Mm -hmm. it harder? You know, if, if we wanted to sweat in that workout, what could we have done to have actually gotten the workout instead of feeling sort of unsatisfied. And so, you know, wrist and ankle weights have existed for decades, but people sort of stopped using them. So when you, when you close your eyes and think of wrist and ankle weights, you're thinking of the loose sort of baggy sand filled uh, weights from the eighties that feel as outdated as like shoulder pads and knee high socks. Like it, yeah. it died with the decade. And so it was kind of in that moment that we said, you know, in, in contrast to all the other ideas we've ever talked about where you have all these like conditions of people really getting it, like you're like, oh, it'd be amazing if there was a water bottle that also like had a radio attached because, yeah. you know, all these various ways, like you convince yourself it's a good idea. But with the wrist and ankle weight, we knew it was a good idea. It, like it had been successful before. And so, you know, our contribution was redesigning it so that it, it was more beautiful and more functional. Um, and that was sort of like the epiphany moment where in weirdly, it wasn't like, Oh my God, that's the best idea of all time. Instead it was like, that idea really makes sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. let's give it a shot. Yeah. And I think that that's actually a good point because so many times when you're thinking of being an entrepreneur, starting your own business, you think like, Oh, I need to create something that's never been done before. I need to completely reinvent the wheel and make something new, but really you can just make something better. And that alone can make such a big difference. So I was laughing at your like resistance bands with the sand filled ones. Cause I remember my mom used to have them too. And I feel like she got rid of them or something. So I haven't seen them in a while, but yeah, I've always like, I've always been like, Oh, like those are useful, but like, they're so gross now, you know, they're like baggy yeah. and like not nice. So you guys yep. made like the perfect product to fit into that. Cause they're very useful. It's just completely outdated. Like you said. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's, we've actually had the conversation since where it's like it you're it's hard to actually think of ideas or products that no longer like that are no longer on the market but sort of should be you know mm-hmm. i mean you think of like a fondue machine or something like it's yeah. just, uh, to be to, to be able to like revitalize and reintroduce a product that has already existed is a really sort of unique thing so we mm-hmm. we talk about having been like lucky to 
stumble on this particular idea in this particular mm -hmm. category. Yeah. And how did you bring it to life? So once you came up with the idea, what was like your first call? What was your first step? How did you actually make it an idea to actual like product in your hand? I mean, Max literally had on the aha moment, even though at the time we didn't know it was a great idea. Um, Max had, um, he just was, had this idea in his head of what it looked like and he was explaining it to me. And so he drew it out on a napkin literally. And then we just kept talking about it and um, we were traveling a bit at the time, so we thought, okay, how, what's like next steps to getting this made? So we talked to like some of his uncles who had connections at manufacturers, and we just picked up the phone and then talked to the manufacturer. And they were like a toy company, but they do it for a prototype for us as a favor for like $4,000. So we just took it like step by step, and like we prototyped the thing for like a year. And, um, and we kind of just like took it step by step until we got to something that that we loved basically. And then we kind of just launched the thing. Well, Kickstarter. <laughs> Kickstarter, exactly. Yeah. And then we decided to do a Kickstarter to do our to fund our first production run because oftentimes the first production run can be quite expensive. Mm -hmm. We weren't sure we wanted to like, you know, take on investment for this or go into debt for this. So we wanted to really test the market and launch a Kickstarter. So that's how we ultimately launched with just a prototype. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Cause I feel like that's a smart way to do it to kind of see how the market will react to it. How did you get the word out for it? We, oh, go. well, I was going to say it's funny because Kickstarter campaigns largely require promotion. And we didn't know that at the time. So we were sort of naive to this idea that you could create your campaign and push it live and people would just take natural interest in it, mm -hmm. uh, which is not the case at all. Today, you know, people are creating Kickstarter campaigns and then running paid marketing campaigns mm -hmm. to support those, you know, right. and, and that was, you know, on day five of our campaign, it was sort of like, oh man, this isn't going to happen on its own. So yeah. a really kind of grassroots effort from there to try to get some attention on it. Um, Talk to everyone, you know, send out an email blast until like the 500 people in your inbox, like, you know, it was yeah, like really we like kind of like spam, Everyone. spamming people had to because, you know, once you reach a certain point, like say you're halfway through the goal at like $20,000, you can't unlock the money unless you ultimately reach your goal. Otherwise right. it kind of just goes away, even if you're a thousand dollars shy. So we really had to get like creative towards the end. Yep. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And I feel like once you launched it, so once the Kickstarter was launched and you had enough money on the Kickstarter to actually start the prototype and start creating the product, how did it take off? I feel like now I see it all over Instagram. I see it on so many influencers and celebrities and you guys are kind of everywhere in the fitness space. So how did that happen? Was that like an overnight thing or was it a gradual over time? I mean, it was definitely gradual because whenever we launched it, we, um, we both had full-time jobs for like the first year of the business. And so we really just like kind of bootstrapping, scraping by doing everything we possibly could to try to build this thing. So I would say it was like kind of like a ripple effect. Like some of the early things that happened that really benefited us is um, we, 
I actually reached out to Melissa Woodhealth because somehow I came across her and I just said, Hey, would you want to try this product? She loved it. And she was an early adopter of the product, like first few months into the business. And I really think that that was like, that helped us. And then afterwards, um, a couple months later, like free people came across our Instagram. So we got in free people and there that gives us retail credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, we also attended a few trade shows. And then at one point, I think I had, I had an editor friend who connected me with somebody at shape magazine so then we got in shape magazine and it was very like these like huge huge things at the time for us that actually made like a ripple effect and then all of a sudden it was like oh now we're in all of the good retailers and now we can be in more magazines and it was just like one key thing that happened that just became ultimately like led to growth and obviously now like shark tank and some other things but it was just like all you need is that one cool thing to happen and then work on the next one, but. Right, right. And then you get that credibility, like you were saying, which is awesome. How did you, so when you quit your full-time job after the year, was that a really scary moment for you or was the, was Bala already doing really well or was that kind of scary for you guys to quit your jobs? I mean, at the point in which we quit, especially whenever I quit, I was basically working two full-time jobs. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't really possible to, it was at the point where it was like, this isn't possible to do both. And yeah. Bala seems to be growing in the right direction. And if we want to take a chance, a true chance on it, somebody needs to quit their job. Right. So that was like, it was of course very scary, but it was a clear you know, choice. And I think whenever you quit your job, it was because <laughs> we were airing on Shark Tank. So we really played it like too safe, I'd say, probably. <laughs> I, I will say though, I, I do think there's this sort of a common misconception about this like huge leap of faith you take to start a business. And in our case, uh, it wasn't that, you know, we, we did a Kickstarter to test the market. Um, we really took our time, like working after hours, trying lots of things to see what works, you know, till we felt like to Natalie's point, we just, we couldn't do both anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was never this like, you know, Jerry Maguire style, like quitting moment where you know we were off to like bigger and brighter things you know we're still to this day trying to build bala and it's you know something we believe in that requires Mm -hmm. you know like our full-time attention so it just you know we got to a point where we had to we had to focus on it Mm -hmm. like or it would be like doing a disservice to this thing that we had worked so hard to build to this point but i'd also add that like having our jobs for those first um, year or in Max's case, two years of business, it's like really benefited the business ultimately. Like we probably went a little crazy, but it's like we were able to then not pay ourselves yeah. um, and live off of like Max's salary for, you know, LA rent is expensive, like for rent right. and everything else. And so we were able to just put all of the money back into the business to buying new inventory, stuff like that, which I think ultimately really helped us early on. So I always say like, don't quit your job until you absolutely have to. Um, yeah. I actually, I like that advice a lot because I've been seeing a lot lately of people just being like, oh, you should just, you can't start a business unless you quit your job and start this company and then you'll be successful. Or like you have a lot of people think that they can't work on a business while they're at a full-time job. And I think that's actually not true at all. It gives you a lot of stability when you're still there so that you can, I I don't want to say like take more risks with the business, but you know, like you can focus on it a little in a different way. Like you're not desperate. You're not desperate for that money and to live off of that. And I think that that goes a long way. And I I also never recommend people to quit their job right away because I had a full-time job as well, like a 
full-time corporate job and I quit to do like YouTube podcasting and then started my own agency but I was no I was up into I was up in my corporate job until I had enough money like from my other stuff to quit and I think that that saved me a lot of financial stress and I definitely don't regret doing that you know like I always encourage people to do that so that's really cool that you guys started a successful company and also are working at your job two years in even like that's crazy I think that's awesome. Yeah, it, w- it was pretty wild because I literally quit the week before we aired. Max on just Shark quit Tank. like a couple months ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. advertising for like twelve or thirteen years, I, <laughs> I finally quit. Uh, and so it's been it's been a pretty interesting ride to say the least. Yeah. And did your background in advertising and marketing help with the way you guys are marketing Bala? Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, undeniably. I think that people don't necessarily appreciate that when you see an ad, even a stupid ad on TV, the just amount of time and complexity that went into that ad. And people and like team members. like Yeah. Just thousands of hours worth of work, even for the worst ad on TV. And so I guess what we learned from that process is that like creative development is kind of necessarily iterative. Like it's, again, it's not like one single step from nothing to the best ad idea of all time. It's like thousands of steps. And so we we always just kind of made sure that we were stepping toward what we thought would be the best product or the best brand or the best photo Mm -hmm. shoot. And I think that is just like a, a point of view on the world that we totally undeniably honed from like the advertising world and you yeah. knew a little bit like the pieces that you need to create um like a photo shoot like i think if we weren't in advertising we wouldn't know how to even begin there but it's like okay we know we need like a set designer a photographer and you know and like use connections that way too it helped us do you guys have yeah. like full creative control now yeah, yeah. Uh, i know <laughs> yeah, that's that's, awesome. that's that's the best part <laughs> yeah i feel like that must be awesome coming from like a company to now like it being yours and you totally like being able to completely control everything that how it looks what yeah. what happens in it i think that's awesome totally i mean especially with bala because you know there are really well-defined sort of category norms for fitness and we don't really subscribe to those so right. like we think the sort of delineation between your fitness life and your everyday life is, it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, why is it that you have to like kind of put on a different sort of outfit to go to the gym? You know, these it's, it's one life. Right. And you know, so like our brand has deliberately blurred those lines. Like it's about movement and fitness, but it's also just about like fashion and being your like true authentic self. So you know, having creative control, like allows us to be true to that without sort of watering it down. Yeah. And you guys said that you started it as like a yoga uh, weight, but once you launched your company and created your first product, did you already pivot to having it just be about movement or did it originally start with yoga? I mean, it definitely was pure yoga at the beginning, um, like definitely on Kickstarter. And then I'm, I'm trying to think like whenever we first launched, we probably pivoted pretty pretty early on because we realized that people were using them for, for everything, for mm-hmm. boxing, for Pilates, for just going on a dog walk. So I think early on we pivoted um, to every, every kind of activity in everyday life. Yeah, we didn't want to, we didn't want to launch too broadly, you know, like we wanted to have a core sort of audience and use case. And with Natalie 
having been a certified yoga instructor, that was the, like the most kind of straightforward point of entry. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like there are like barbell assisted yoga classes, but you're, you're literally picking up and putting down the, the the dumbbells Mm -hmm. in the course of your flow. I mean, like it's, it's literally interruptive to your flow. And so we're like, this makes sense for yoga. Mm -hmm. Let's go at it quite hard. And in fact, Bala is Sanskrit for, for strength. So they're like, they literally mean strength bangle. So the genesis of the company really like was born out of yoga, but I think we always knew that there could be other use cases mm-hmm. for it. If, if it was going to be successful in yoga, it would likely be successful in other areas as well. Mm-hmm. And so when that started, like when we had sort of real world proof of that, that's when we made a deliberate decision to pivot. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool. Um, and what mistakes have you guys made in the beginning? Do you have anything that you like regret or any mistakes that you made as entrepreneurs? I mean, definitely have made a ton of mistakes. I'm trying to think of some of the early ones. Like, You know what? Honestly, I think that the reason Bala is where it is today and certainly like we have, we have plans in the works, like we think the future is brighter mm-hmm. than sort of the past, but is our willingness to just try stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mistakes, this is like a, a motivational speech, but the, <laughs> the mistakes were, are like, they're only mistakes if you sort of regret them. And mm-hmm. our mistakes have actually just informed the decisions we've made from there. So right. we've been really like non-precious about trying things that we thought would work, even when they ultimately didn't, it still, sort of made us smarter or more informed for, for the next round of decision-making. So we made, I think we made a ton of mistakes. We were just probably uncomfortable calling them that because that was sort of deliberate. Um, yeah. I think it's a good way to look at it as that it made you, it, you learn from it. And also the mistakes, quote unquote, are better to do in the beginning when you are starting out and realizing what works and what doesn't. And so I think that that's always good to look at because some people, if they try one thing and it doesn't work, they're like, oh my God, this whole company is going to fail. My business is going to fail where it's like, you can pivot, you can change things up. So I think that's good to know that they're not necessarily mistakes or they shouldn't be regrets because you learned a lot from them. Totally. Totally. I mean, you know, the Kickstarter example of us not having created sort of an ad campaign around it. Mm-hmm. Undeniably, you'd look back and you're like, that was pretty stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but what are we going to do? You know, sure, it, it's a mistake, but it's it's also the mistake that led to, you know, some successes. And yeah. I mean, we've we now have arrived at packaging we love, but the first few production runs used packaging we didn't love we use like much. yeah usps priority mail but like the red ugly stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, well there were lots about, of mistakes like that earlier. i was talking on. about the pack- product packaging itself oh yeah that too i mean we just yeah of course <laughs> so so anyway like there there yeah there are like a long list of mistakes but they have ultimately sort of contributed to where we are today yeah and what are some like pinch me moments that you guys have had? Cause you guys have pretty much been seen in so many places. Have you ever seen someone wear it that you were shocked or like, yeah, what's like a really exciting moment in the business? I mean, I have to, I mean, this one's like an off early on. There were a lot of really like small, but exciting ones, but I would say obviously the shark shark tank has to be like a pinch me moment. Like that day still doesn't seem real. And then when we, when we watched the show, it's like, 
how did that go so well? Like mm -hmm. it could have gone really horrible. So that was obvious in my mind, like the biggest pinch me moment. But then there's been like some like ones where it's like James Franco was wearing them on a paparazzi photo. And that was like definitely a pinch me moment. Cause it's like, I never would have thought James Franco. Yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Shark Tank obviously has to be up there cause it yeah. was the weird, you know, I grew up watching Shark Tank and absolutely loved the show. Never really imagined. We all do this sort of like <laughs> how we would have answered the question uh, thing, but you know, never really imagined we'd be on it. My, my sort of coolest moment was Ron Artest, uh, the basketball player, Meta World Peace, was, was wearing them. And like, it's just a, it was like an unexpected intersection of, you know, like my fandom as a kid. Mm -hmm. and, and like now this company that, you know, where we created that's actually like motivating people to work out and stay fit in different kinds of ways. So that was, that was cool. That's cool. After Shark Tank, how was the response from like people? Where did you get a lot of sales, a lot of Instagram follows, or what was the response just from the public? It was. It's been crazy. Like it hasn't slowed down from Shark Tank. I feel like it That's was like cool. it was like we were on the West Coast preparing for our party, and um, <clears throat> the East Coast airing happened, and all of our Amazon units. I mean, we had several thousand units they sold out in seconds. And then so we were just gone on Amazon and we haven't been on Amazon since because of inventory and just selling out elsewhere. So I think that was like, that was like a crazy instant moment. And it was just so weird seeing, cause at that point, like, oh, and still we didn't really do like ads or anything. And we never really like, we're checking our traffic daily and mm -hmm. things like that. It was, it was so weird to just see all of a sudden like 8,000 people on your site. Suddenly. That's awesome. And then Instagram views all of a sudden were like a hundred thousand or something like on your page. And, um, and then just seeing like the amount of checkouts that were happening. It's just, I mean, it'll like never happen again like that. It was like a movie moment. But, um, since then it's been like, just like a ripple effect, like big retailers reaching out, saw you on shark tank. Um, like it's just a continued like shark, the shark tank effect. It's like, I think it'll last for like probably several more months now. Cause people are still like watching the show and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, but there was definitely like some crazy boom moments that night, which were surreal. That's crazy. Yeah. I feel like the power of that show and how many millions of people that watch it, like even if just a small percentage of the millions that watch it, check out your stuff, like that's still thousands and thousands of people. So that's yeah. really, really cool. You guys were on it. Congratulations. So that's awesome. And what is something before we go, I want to ask this question. What is something that you would tell your younger selves? So looking back and seeing how, where you are today. Or advice that you would give your younger selves? I know, is it like a put you on the spot question? Sorry. Um, I think that like only having been now on Bala full time for three, four months, like I, I am feeling sort of like the cumulative effect of a lot of the stuff I learned along the way. And so I think my advice to my younger self would just be like, kind of be patient and like, take it all in, you know, cause you'll, you'll ultimately find that thing that makes you happy and you'll be way better off having done a whole bunch of things that maybe didn't that you actually learned from, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, advertising can be brutal. It can be late nights. It can be weekends. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and 
again, did that for 10 plus years, uh, but I think it's really helped us in building Bala. So yeah, patience, patience is a virtue is, is basically the advice. Yeah. I was going to say something sim- similar, like don't rush the process, like yeah. just live your life, keep working hard and ultimately you'll get to hopefully your dream job. I mean, everybody still has like a dream job. I still have a dream job that isn't Bala. You know, it's like, it's just keep working hard and then don't right. rush it because things work out in a way that is kind of like serendipitous sometimes. Yeah, no, I love that advice. And I loved having you guys on. I think it's a really cool story of how you guys became entrepreneurs and started Bala. And I'm a huge fan. I love the way that they look. I'm literally about to purchase them right now. So <laughs> I've been watching Wood Health and haven't had the weight. So I'm like, I need to get on that. <laughs> so thank you guys again for coming on. Where can they find Bala and all of your stuff? So um, shopbala.com, that's our website, and that's where most of the bangles will be. But you can also find us at some of our larger retailers like Free People, Carbon 38, Goop, about to be in Dick's, some of those. So do a little Google search. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'll have everything in the show notes. But thank you guys again for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I would love to know what you guys think in either the private Facebook page or the Instagram account. We're always updating whenever we have new episodes. We post some inspirational quotes on there, so be sure to follow us. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And also, if you're like me and after this episode, you immediately went and bought yourself some Bala Bangles, let me know. We can be matching. I personally have the white, or not the white, I personally have the black one pound ones and I use them all the time. So let me know which ones you guys got and then we can match. But anyways, thank you guys for listening and I'll see you guys next Monday on another episode of the Real Real Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.